In today's episode of Backpacker Radio, we are joined by Ryan Lin, aka Guthook, the person behind the infamous Guthook apps. Have a fun conversation about his hiking background, what went into the app, and a whole lot more. We have some trail propaganda, we have a triple crown of, and we do the other regular jazz. Before we get into the episode, I do want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Sawyer Products. The product that I do want to give a shout out to, and this is the second episode in, the row, in a row, I think it's definitely worth talking about, is the micro squeeze filter. I think this is going to be huge for through hikers. I'm uh, really excited about this, actually. Yeah, Chance is seeing it for the first time. I thought it was like a new mini, but this is like a mini squeeze. It, so it kind of combines the best of the mini and the regular Sawyer in that it like this the appearance is kind of mini-esque. It's maybe a hair bigger than the mini. This is smaller than the Sawyer squeeze. It's 1.2 ounces lighter. And according to them, and I've tested it just a little bit, I haven't done any field testing yet, but the flow rate is comparable to the regular squeeze, which is exciting to any way to that get any way to get the most popular filtration system even lighter and maintain the same uh, flow rate is a good thing. And I don't know if, I, I mean, it might already do this, but I don't know if the regular squeeze does this, but you can attach it to a water bladder and then just like drink straight from the water bladder rather than having to filter the water first into the water bladder. So I do know that it's the regular, it's the same screw on size as the previous Sawyer squeeze. So, so does, did the regular one do this all the time? I don't know. But I do know that obviously you see everyone using this with their smart water bottles. Right. It's compatible with that. I don't know about the bladder. I'm not sure what size screw See, I'm a bladder are. drinker when You're, I hike. Yeah. And I usually filter from a smart water bottle into the bladder. Yeah. But this one I can screw it. Did right you on. ever use the Sawyer squeeze bag? Um, no, I didn't. Are you familiar with it? I yeah, I didn't use it because I heard it was um, not as durable. Yeah. Well, t- touch this. If if you're familiar with the other one. Oh. You'll notice it is. It's softer than the. Yeah, they've made improvements. Yeah, it's it's softer. I can't speak to the durability. Like I said, I haven't field tested it, but it's, right. de- it's definitely uh, nicer on the hands than the previous one. The, yeah. the, the previous bag is. Uh, I think the word that I used in the last episode was stabby. It's a little bit sharp on the edges. It can be uncomfortable if you grab it there. Uh, I, like I said, <laughs> this I, episode is sponsored by Sawyer. Here's everything we don't bags. like about them. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I think, you know, for most of the hikers, they're going to be just attaching this to smart water bottles anyways. So the operative thing is that it's smaller, it's lighter, and it has the same flow rate, which are, which are all good things. Uh, if that turns out to be true, I can already tell you that this is replacing my squeeze. That's kind of the way that I see it. Yeah. Um, the other bullet points we should touch on quickly is it's uh, smaller and lighter. We talked about that. It's, uh, it's got... It uses Sawyer's hollow fiber membrane technology, which are 75% stronger than other fibers on the market. Uh, it can be used with the standard 28 millimeter bottles, like the smart water bottles. It has a higher flow rate uh, than other small filters due to its large diameter and superior design. Got a really heavy flow. Got a heavy flow, bro. Um, it filters up to 100,000 gallons of water. And it includes a spare gasket. Ooh, that's really helpful because a lot of the times the O-ring will come out after you use it a lot. True. And we fix that by going to like Ace Hardware and buying like one of their like mechanic, like not mechanical, but like hardware yeah. O-ring type things. But that's nice that it comes Good with a spare. Bob Bila over here. Uh, home again. Yeah. I know that show. You can get this on Amazon at Amazon Target. Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, Dick Sporting Goods, REI, Field and Stream, and more in fall of 2018. I think I already saw it on Amazon. Uh, I will include that in the show notes, but yeah, be excited.
Radio, presented by The Trek. I am your co-host, Zach Patrick Davis, and to my right is... I'm Juliana Chauncey, a.k.a. Chauncey. Hey, Chance, uh, will you do me the biggest favor in the world? No. Yes, you will. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, will you... So I came up with a little tagline for the podcast this morning, and then you not only sang that, <laughs> but you extended it a little bit. So would you please introduce that? It goes... <laughs> I can't do it without laughing. It goes, let's talk about checks, baby. Let's talk about poop and pee. But we haven't gotten past that yet. No, that's as far as we need to get. We're working on our album. Yeah. Uh, if you don't get that reference, just <laughs> hang up the podcast. Is that how people are? They're on the phone, I think so, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hang up the podcast and just kill yourself because it's the greatest <laughs> song ever that made. That is very aggressive. <laughs> uh, but for the 99% of you who are still alive, uh, I hope you found that as funny as I did. Uh, <laughs> Chance is choking on her mimosa right now. Chance, yes. you smell like smoke. Yes. Would you like, care, care to comment? <laughs> We were sitting in this room, and it's like a very small room, and Zach's like, it smells like tobacco in here. And I was like, oh, that's my pants. <laughs> so basically, we're having a Halloween party this weekend, and our backyard is covered in like leaves and tree branches and stuff that have been falling, um, but they're all still green. So we decided to burn them all last night, and I haven't put on a new outfit since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> this is for your Halloween party? Um, it's just to like make room in the backyard because mm. we got a little fire pit. And is everyone listening? Are they all invited? Everyone's invited. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so what else is new? What else is going on in your life? Mm. I know you, you swung by and stole something from my bush yesterday. Yes, well, that sounded well. bad. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Jabba messaged me and said you need to trim your bushes. Um, Ugh, I won't touch that. Anywho. Yeah, so I was going to go out and hike another segment of the Colorado Trail this weekend. Um, I'm up to segment 24, which is Stony Pass, uh, right outside of Silverton. And it snowed. I, so I took five days off of work last week to go finish it. I was going to finish the whole thing last week. And Monday hit, and this huge snowstorm came in, and it was set to snow until Friday. Um, and I checked with a few people that had just gotten off trail, and I checked with... A few people that are, you know, have close ties to the trail and everyone kind of was like, don't go out and hike in the San Juans while it's snowing for the next three days. That's in the stupidest including idea. Including Bill Manning? Yeah. I messaged him and I was like, what do you think about this? And he was like, don't do it. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh. I hope to get him out on a future podcast, by the way. Same. Um, so I didn't go. I went home to New York instead uh, and kind of just like accepted defeat. And then this weekend, it's been really warm all week and there's no forecast for snow or rain. And so I was going to go out and do segment 24 just to, you know, do one more segment before the season's over. And so I came by yesterday to pick up an ice axe right after work, got here at like 6 p.m. It's a six and a half hour drive to Silverton from here, started driving to Silverton and realized I forgot my wallet, which I wouldn't have cared, but I wouldn't have been able to get there on a tank of gas. Yeah, that wouldn't have been. Good. Yeah. So I drove back to Denver and by that point it was really late. And kind of just decided maybe I'll go in the morning, but then we had to record, so. Wait a second. <laughs> okay, I messaged you and said we can record. I don't think I'm going to go. Yeah. I have a lot of leaves to burn. Yeah. For, but, for the record, I don't blame you for not doing it. Uh, you know, being at that elevation this time of year without a lot of snow hiking experience can be a risky endeavor. Well, I wouldn't have minded doing it. It's just I know, like, segment 27 has a lot of, like, really exposed ridge walks. And by the time, because I can't go out the next two weekends, so I won't be able to go back out until mid-November. And by that time, I know 27 will be something that I'm not going to be comfortable doing. So it's like, it's not like 
the push I had in the summer where it was, you know, let me try to get this whole thing done. It's if I can do to segment 24, that'll be my last one probably. Um, so there wasn't really that pressure on it. Yeah. I kind of went through the same thing. So I did all of the Colorado trail except for like a 25 mile. I think I missed like segment three Mm -hmm. in the, I think it was 2015. Um, and there was still plenty of good weather to go finish it. I just didn't feel inspired. Like the fact that I had done it in chunks to me had taken away from the fact that like I, would, I was completing the trail in a year. Like section hiking it to yeah. me didn't really feel like that much of an accomplishment. Like yeah. I, I did enjoy the feeling of doing the entire trail, but the way that I did it just didn't feel as m- monumental to me as doing it end to end. So I just saved it for the next year. I was like, I'm over it. Yeah, uh, I was. I had so much, like I was so in, like into it and like gunning for it and everything last week because I was like, I'm going to finish. This is going to be it. There's no snow yet. Like this has been great. And I was like really gung-ho about going. It was really hard for me to talk myself out of it. But once that kind of happened and now there's like over a foot of snow, in a lot of a lot of the parts of it. I don't even know how much some of it has right now, but it just it kind of changes the game and it yeah. makes it, you know, it's not gonna happen this year. Yeah. Totally understood. Uh life updates for me, nothing too exciting. Just still rehabbing my knee all the time. Really obnoxious because it takes all the amount of time that normal exercise takes without any of the benefits. Right. Like I don't get to sweat. I don't get the positive like runners high endorphins. I'm in there just doing like balancing exercise and one leg workouts. It's uh really tedious and awful but you should put up a slack line in your backyard i've tried slacklining before it's not it's not my skill set mm, i'm not good for balance that. yeah uh anyway. i'm also not a hippie but no i, no, I actually like slacklining i'm just not good <laughs> at it uh so yeah nothing too cool to talk about but by the time this comes out i do think i will probably be in south africa i was gonna say when you're saying you had nothing cool i was gonna say are you gonna nothing skip cool over that in the realm of the backpacking but i'm going on my honeymoon with my wife which is a good way to do a honeymoon uh, <laughs> and we've got a lot of wildlife adventures lined up we're uh diving with sharks we're going on a safari we might uh do like a penguin walk so who knows who knows if there's enough time but... all right from this point forward the podcast is coming exclusively from me because zach's gonna die in africa this is probably true uh so yeah don't don't be too jealous for me <laughs> uh okay so oh i also want to talk about the through hiker meetup that yeah. is coming up uh from when we're recording, it will be next week. It'll probably be past tense by the time this comes out. But I told you to just say it was in October. It's in October, but I don't know if that'll if this will come out in time. Anyways, <laughs> uh, there was there was there was a fun attire item that you wanted to touch upon. Yeah, I said that we should have to wear costumes because it's Halloween, and whenever Zach plans a meetup, I come up with a weird theme that I try to enforce, and then. Sometimes it catches. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It catches even with you. (laughs) Yeah. So this time I said we should do costumes. And then Zach had the really good idea that we should go as cinnamon. Mm. So we are going to be attending this upcoming through through hiker meetup um, dressed as cinnamon. We got to get on getting those shirts. I know. I was, well, that's why I wanted to do it today. Amazon? We just need to buy like a brown t shirt from like a craft store and then print out. A cinnamon label. Are you crafty? You just have to print out a cinnamon. You're already over my head. You lost me at print. 
Okay. Well, <laughs> we were going to do this today, but Zach doesn't have a color printer, so. Oh, that's why you asked. I didn't get it. Okay. You didn't see the follow-up where I said we should. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I will oh let, the rec- let the record show I'm very bad at text messages. I At any given time, I have like 40 unread text messages. I don't know how you could like miss the communication on this. I do it all the time. Ask any of my friends. I'm really bad at texting. I go, do you have a colored printer? Zach goes, negative. It's black and white only. I go, well, never mind then. I was going to say, I'll stop at Michael's and pick up two brown t-shirts for our cinnamon costumes, but we've got to print a cinnamon label. And you never answered. Yeah. How did you not get that? <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm really bad at text. Uh, Whatever. It's neither here nor there. What is here, kind of, is an awesome interview that I did with uh, Ryan Lynn, which you might better know him as Gut Hook, uh, the man behind, or one of the people behind Gut Hook's, uh, you know, ubiquitous app in the thru-hiking world. Um, had a really fun conversation with him. That was the first time we actually met face to face. We had been, uh, in a lot of conversations. We're in a committee for the AT, ATC rather. Um, he's a really cool guy. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think there'll be a lot of surprising takeaways in this for you. There certainly was for me, especially I was shocked by how little engineering experience he had up until recently. So I let that serve as inspiration to anyone listening to this, that, you know, what you decide to do in high school and college need not dictate what you do for your career because Gut Hook picked up what he's doing now at kind of a late age. So hope you enjoyed as much as I do. Here it is. Okay, set the scene. I'm here with my buddy, Ryan Lynn, uh, which may or may not mean anything to you, but if I said his trail name, it definitely would. Would you introduce yourself? Uh, I usually introduce myself as Ryan these days, but okay. yeah, uh, when I'm around other people and the the moment is right, it's gut hook. Gut hook. <laughs> uh, the famous gut hook. Okay, so we're sitting uh, just outside of the Colorado Trail office uh, in the AMC building in Golden, Colorado. You were working from the uh, CDTC office today. Yeah, which is not normal. That's not like, I don't just hang around trail club offices all the time. Sure. (laughs) Be a good way to live. Uh, So I guess let's let's start at the beginning. I I actually don't know much about your hiking prowess. Like, tell me a little bit about what trails you've done, um, kind of like how you got indoctrinated in the through hiking culture <laughs> indoctrinated <laughs> uh yeah actually the reason i'm out here right now is is because i was on like a five-day backpacking trip with a couple of my buddies one of whom works at the cdtc mm-hmm. um but yeah the uh the hiking stage was set in uh i guess 2007 was uh, through hike the appalachian trail um 2010 was the pacific crest trail um and then other littler things like the long trail was 2012. I worked at the Green Mountain Club in 2008 and 2009 um, at several Appalachian Mountain Club camps uh, from 2004 to 2007 or 2008. And uh, So was your yeah. first exposure to the <laughs> long distance community through, uh, you said that was in 2004? Uh, 2007 was the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, but you said oh. you were working for one of these clubs in 2004. Yeah, but it wasn't at anything to do with with the uh, with any of the long distance trails. Okay, this That's was this was like off the. This wasn't at the huts. It was at the uh-huh. um, one of their traveling camps. So, gotcha. So, uh, what inspired you to take on your first through hike? Uh, <laughs> that is a good question, and I honestly can't remember the original. Um, no eureka moment or anything. Well, there's there was a eureka moment to like okay. 
I can't remember the the Eureka moment that led to the the section hike that had the Eureka moment that uh-huh. led to the through hike, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was so I was on a section hike of the AT in Maine, which is where I'm from, which is why I was doing that one. Uh, and this was in 2005, I think. Um, and at some point on the section hike, I was coming over Saddleback Mountain, which you probably remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty spectacular place uh, in what I think is a pretty spectacular state. It's, you know, I'm a big cheerleader. You are biased, me. but you're also <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I am very biased. I will, I will talk all day about how great Maine is. Um, Careful, yeah. you're going to get a cohort of people moving there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, as long as they're cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer, only if you're cool, you can go to Maine. Otherwise, yeah, we, I think we need more through hikers. Stay in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was coming up on Saddleback. It was like the rain was parting. Um, it had been pretty nasty and rainy coming up the thing. And you know, I get to the top and there's this kind of like, uh, not old, but like older. I was in college then, so everybody's older. Um, guy, kind of like, uh, kind of overweight, like had his shirt off, and he's like cheering and like, you know, really excited. And I was like, this is a very happy person. Um, so I like, you know, came up to him and we got to chatting, and he was talking about how like, you know, he's like, I was trying to get my kids and my wife to come up here with me, uh, but, you know, they're sleeping in it's a weekend they were like he hiked up the ski trails um and he was like yeah i threw hiked the at in like 1974 and he told me this story of how like he had you know he had met this guy uh, and they hiked together a lot of the way and then like he ended up you know meeting some woman in some town in new jersey and like getting off the trail and you know i guess they're married now um but whatever he's like this whole like long story of like, and then I came back and, you know, I got Giardia. So I was off the trail for a while and then I left and I, uh, you know, I came back and I finished and I never saw this friend of mine again, but just last year, you know, 30, 30 something years later, I was like, I looked him up and we like, you know, re re met and like, there were all these like serendipitous things happening. And I was like, this is like really cool. This guy was so like into it. He was telling this story like it was just, it was just like mind blowing to me, like that how much of an adventure it could be. Yeah. So um, his his passion <laughs> for it really rubbed off on you. Then is what yeah. it sounds like. I think I had probably said something about hiking the trail before, uh-huh. but at this point I was like, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. So you were aware that through hiking was a thing prior to meeting this guy. Yeah, I'm not sure how how aware I was. Yeah. Uh, because it was a little while ago and memory gets fuzzy. Totally. But yeah, that was definitely like the first time where I was like, this is definitely going to happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what year was that? That was 2005. Okay. And uh, then you and said 2007? Like, yeah. It? Year and a half later, I was gotcha. on Springer Mountain. Uh-huh. Um, and it was everything I hoped it would be. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I got to ask, <laughs> how were you navigating the AT in 2007? <laughs> oh, man. Were you using gut hook? <laughs> uh, technically, I guess, yes, because I am gut hook. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I had the ATC data book, and that was it. Uh-huh. That was... So this is pre-AWOL, then? Yeah, but uh, Wingfoot was still... You know, so Wingfoot, the through-hiker's handbook, I think is what it was called, or the... Th- 
Yeah, because Alda makes the companion. Wingfoot made the Three Hikers Handbook, and that was the precursor to AWOL. Um, I did not have any of those things. I just had the data book, which I found out later was not really a great thing to rely on, as uh, if you've ever seen it. It is incredibly light. You get the whole trail, and it weighs about, um, I don't know, three or four ounces because it's like 100 pages. Yeah. Uh, I had the companion, which I think is like the heavier version of the data book, right? Like it, uh, yeah, but it actually has information in it rather than just yeah. like a few, like there were points where I would be like, Oh, um, you know, crosses this road at mile, you know, 450. And, uh, the next waypoint is uh, mile 470. Uh-huh. So there must be nothing between those. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> there's, there's a quite a big climb and then a, big descent and then a big climb and then a big descent yeah. and then a big climb. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the little bit, actually, I, I can't even take credit for the research. The little bit of research that my hiking partner had done, <laughs> uh, like everything, had, I think he got it probably from the ATC website, said that like the companion was the go-to resource for it. And then I think by the time we got to Franklin, we saw the majority of hikers were using AWOL at that point. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he was, yeah, I, I think in 2007, I would be surprised if more than like, a third of hikers were using Wingfoot's book, but it was well known. Mm -hmm. Um, The companion, I think, was probably like one of the more popular things to use then. I honestly can't remember too much. There were a lot of things in 2007 that were like, I still look back on that and I'm like, it's kind of funny, like the, the primary way for people to communicate and send emails was with a device called the pocket mail. Um, <laughs> which even in 2007 standards was pretty archaic. Yeah. Um, pocket was, mail. Is this like a, a, a different term for a, like a blackberry or something? Like, oh no. Wait, no I, was, I'm not even familiar with this. You might have to look up like uh, pictures on the internet because it's this strange, strange device that had like, uh, an earpiece and a mouthpiece that lined up with a payphone, huh. um, and you would type out your emails in camp, and there'd be like a preset email that it would send to, yeah. um, that you would set up ahead of time, I guess. Uh, so you'd write your journal in this thing on a keypad that was built into it, and you know, then when you got to town, when you got to a payphone, there were still a few of them left in 2007, not too many. Um, but you'd, you'd hold the earpiece of the pocket mail up to the mouthpiece of the payphone yeah. and vice versa, and it would do a modem screech, and it would translate that and send emails to your one person who you would set up to send emails to. That is cr- I've never heard of this before. That, I didn't know that that was a thing, let alone popular on the yeah. AT. This is one of the things where like smartphones have uh, very yeah. you know, made that part of the trail... Uh, definitely measurably nicer like for sure being able to write your emails on your own thing and then just have them send when you get home right and, or wherever but we still find things to complain <laughs> about like people will complain about there's not enough service <laughs> like, mm. that, that they have to wait to send that email uh oh, man yeah. i hope they i hope they never get full service along the whole any trail yeah okay when did the iphone come out that was like 2005 right i think it was 2007 2007 one, but i don't remember when I mean, it, it didn't even register with me as something. Did you see any on the trail? In 2007? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. I saw one Blackberry. Uh-huh. <laughs> that person was ahead of the curve. Yeah. He, uh-huh. got, he got weather from a shelter, or like a forecast from the shelter, and it was mind-blowing. 
<laughs> it was inaccurate weather forecast, but <laughs> as they still are oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. That, ha- that part hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, the, the crazy thing is even in 2010 on the PCT, when I did that, I saw, I think three smartphones the whole time, two Androids and an iPhone. That was it. So it's still kind of new. It's come a long ways. Now, now the person without a smartphone seems like they're the exception out there. Yeah. And I do have a lot of respect for that. Like definitely. Um, I, yeah, I make this app, but I really do think that people should be like well-versed in the skills that, that were, you know, are pre smartphone, um, you know, from navigating, uh, down to like just being able to tune out. Right. Um, do you see navigation as an essential skill for the Appalachian trail? I know you're probably putting you in a difficult situation. Uh, Let's add the disclaimer that, uh, you know, everyone should be able to navigate on the trail. And if you get lost, this is your own doing. I'm just asking for your personal opinion. If it were just you not advocating for a friend. So it is kind of funny that like when I, you know, having just the data book on Mm -hmm. the AT or even just using AWOL or Wingfoot, uh, you did not have maps. Right. Um, so, <laughs> I put you in an uncomfortable position. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a politician you, you, right now. Yeah, you can say pass if you want. Um, I think I think you should know a lot more than like. I think you should know what to do if you don't have your phone. Sure. Because um, that is actually probably a higher probability than most people realize. Whether you drop it in a stream crossing or just technology in general, you know. Uh, Things go wrong. <laughs> I actually have a funny story about the last person that you did an interview with. Uh, oh. Speaking of, yeah, or I think he's, he might hate me for saying this, but I ran <laughs> into I ran into him. Uh, Are we talking about Java? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, do I need to say this out loud? We'll bleep it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I ran into him on the PCT, the last section hike that I did on the PCT, and he uh-huh. was like, "Oh man, I." It was weird that I was out there because I was. It was the only time I'd been out there since 2010, and I had met him the previous year. Uh, but he was like, yeah, so my phone battery died, and I don't have any maps, anything. <laughs> he's, he's probably not going to like that I said this. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, I want to back up a little bit. So, oh, yeah. Okay, so you hiked the AT in 2007. You're using the data book. Did you ever switch to either the companion? No. I, um, <laughs> I was that guy that like occasionally would like, the people that I was hiking with, I'd be like, hey, what's in this next town? <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, I did not have a map at all on yeah. the AT. And it is very, I think, very easy to follow that trail. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm trying to think if I ever totally lost the trail. I don't think I did. Um, there are definitely times when I run into someone and they'd be like going the wrong way. And I'd be like, hey, you're going the wrong way on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> that happens from time to time. People get lost on the AT nowadays still. Um, but I think, you know, compared to like, if you did not have a map on the Continental Divide Trail, you might have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably likely would have a bad time. Yeah. Although I have talked to people that have relied solely on your app, which I. I'm oh, sure I mean, like, if you didn't have a map or a phone, or like, if you had uh, no. If you just had like a no data book, Yeah, right. You'd have a bad time. <laughs> guaranteed a bad time there for sure. <laughs> Um, okay, so hike 2007, you're relying on the data book, which you use the entire length of the trail. I think I still have my data book. It's like really gnarly from sweat because it was like <laughs> in my pocket the whole time. <laughs> uh, 
so I imagine, you know, the lack of information was probably a pain point for you, yeah? Yeah, maybe. I Like, it really didn't occur to me to, like, make guides uh-huh. until much, much later. Got like, you. And that was on the PCT. Okay. Um, so, yeah, on the AT, like, I was... I was pretty happy with everything. Yeah. And, and say, say it again. What year did you hike the PCT? It's 2010. 2010. Okay. Um, so, yeah, to, I, I guess I want to hear the light bulb moment, as it were, um, for when the guide idea really came to be. Uh, yeah. I think my original idea was I wanted to make, like, guides to some of these long-distance trails that don't have good guidebooks for them because... <laughs> Uh, the two that I had in mind at the time were the Coas Trail in New Hampshire and the Long Path in New York, hmm. um, which, uh, I mean, the Coas Trail is a really cool trail, mm-hmm. um, and it's changing so fast um, because it has a really amazing group of volunteers running it. Um, I'm actually not familiar with this trail. Oh. Well, how long is it? It's like 160 miles, and it goes from kind of the middle of the White Mountains in New Hampshire straight up north to the Canadian border, like the northern tip of uh, New Hampshire. Interesting. So um, it kind of parallels the long trail in a different state? Kind of. Yeah, but it only goes, yeah, and it only goes for like half or right. a third of the state. Yeah. And actually, so right before I did the Pacific Crest Trail, uh, a buddy of mine from the AT, he and I put together um, a hike for, so the New England National Scenic Trail had only just been designated, but we had like heard about the, you know, in parentheses, New England, or quotation marks, oops, <laughs> uh, New England trail. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody had had this idea to like make a trail from the coast of Connecticut up through the tip of, the northern tip of New Hampshire. Um, and so we like did the Coas Trail southbound and then hiked through the White Mountains and connected to connected to several other trails that eventually led into what was actually the National Scenic Trail. Um, which I don't know if they actually um, planned on having the National Scenic Trail go further north, but I know that it ends at the New Hampshire border. <laughs> mm. um, so I think New Hampshire just didn't want anything to do with it. Interesting. Um, anyway, so I was like, it'd be cool to have better guides for long-distance hikers for, for those trails. Yeah. Um, and this was also 2010 or was this 2009? This is 2009. Okay. Um, do you own an iPhone <laughs> at this point? No. No. When did you get your first smartphone? 2011. Okay. So after the PCT. Yeah. Uh-huh. Might've been 2000. Yeah. It was 2011. Um, yeah, actually. So a friend of my mom's, uh, was like a big techie person who actually now works for Apple in their like education department thing uh but anyway for years she was always like ryan you've gotta you've gotta like make apps this is like the coolest Mm. thing um she's like really excited about she's excited about all things like tech and crazy stuff i was like i am not that interested like i had been like big into computer games and and like screwing around with computer things computer games or making computer games no Oh, just no, playing just screwing games. around with computers when I was in like junior high school. Gotcha. But uh, basically, once I started hiking a lot, I was like, I don't want to do any of this stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, so basically, after I finished the Pacific Crest Trail, and I finished with um, Paul Bodnar, who is uh, also co-owner of the the company that makes Gut Hook Guides now. 
Okay. Um, but um, can you give us a quick primer on that? Because it's confusing oh, yeah. to even to me. Because uh, everyone, I think, <laughs> refers to it col- colloquially. I can't say that word. Uh, it's just gut hook, regardless of where you are. Or yeah, it's kind what, of funny that way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> or, or what device you're using. It's just gut hooks, so um, it seems like. Let's go with the easy way, which is that the company, which is owned by Paul, his wife Alice, who does all the Android programming, and me, is called Atlas Guides. The product that we make is Gut Hook Guides. Gotcha. Um, and it was originally known as like Gut Hook's Guide to the Pacific Crest Trail or Gut Hook's Guide to the Appalachian Trail or whatever. Yeah. Um, we decided, well, we couldn't change the name at some point because the name recognition was too good. Right. Uh, and we couldn't fight the fight the hikers yeah. in trying to like name it something. Yeah. Actually, I was at I was at a hiker event last last month, and someone was like, "Could you settle a bet for us? Is it Gut Hook or Gut Hooks?" I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <You> tell me, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is fun. Actually, I've heard both. I would say that hooks is probably the one <laughs> I've heard more. But, uh, I mean, you get to get the ultimate say here. You're the guy. You're Seth, the gut hook. Whatever. <laughs> okay. I, I call it the app yeah. because it's the app that I make. Got you. Well, there you <laughs> go. There's a new name for it It is now. pretty funny to, like, it's, it's taken a while for me to get used to this. But when people are like, uh, oh, yeah, I look at gut hook every day. That's kind of weird because that's like my name. Yeah. So, <laughs> or if the you know, figure whatever you want to say about gut hook. Right. Uh, nowadays, I just like I said, I usually introduce myself as Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's funny because we're kind of tangenting all over the place. This is fun. Uh, I sent you the trail correspondent episode. I forget the exact number, yeah. but it was about technology <laughs> in the backcountry. And like the the one thing, the guy who edited it together did a great job. He noticed that everyone had mentioned gut hook, and that it was pretty funny. Yeah, and there's like a 15 second intro to that episode <laughs> where everyone's like, "I love my gut hook. I couldn't get by without <laughs> gut hook." <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, obviously you, you must be well aware of you know your presence on trail, your app's presence on trail. Yeah. Uh, how it's does still, that feel? It's pretty weird. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's pretty neat because hikers tend to be pretty happy with it, which I like that. You know, it's nice to do something that people enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I think you're being humble right now. Like as someone that's used it now <laughs> on two trails, uh, it's a it's a great resource. I could maybe find some minor gripes. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you, but uh, you know, by and large, it's way better than any alternative. Well, thanks. <laughs> um, I actually I. Could probably I could pick out a lot more problems with it than most people can. <laughs> You're um, probably your hardest critic. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so Alice, who does all the Android programming, and I, who do all the iPhone programming, like, we have been like busting our asses this year to like make some gigantic improvements. And uh, the last update I sent for the iPhone app was in December. Um, the app that is on my phone right now is pretty different from the one that most hikers are carrying. Ooh, can um, you get a sneak peek when we're done with this? Uh, sure. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see it. Um, and, it, you know, I can't say exactly when I'll send the next update, but it's going to be a big one we're aiming for, like, sometime later this month because mm-hmm. from from past experience, sending major updates to an app while hiking season is happening uh, smart. doesn't always work out the sure. best. Yeah. Uh, Oops. <laughs> any, yeah. of, any of you who were using the app in 2012 uh, might have some memories of that. What's, uh, so what's the story of the great gut hook collapse of 2012? Oh, there have been multiple times when okay. I've sent an update, uh, you know, and I'm like, eh, it's, you know, no big deal. Let's send, a, send this minor update and then, like, get several emails immediately that are like, all of a sudden the app will not open and I can't do anything with it. Uh, 
I mean, that goes mm-hmm. to your point of why people should not be solely reliant <laughs> on the app, right? Yeah, like, because dumbasses like me can do something. <laughs> yeah, we do, we don't uh, we don't we aren't that like blase with sending updates anymore. We test them a lot more. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, again, I'm tangenting a lot. How did you decide that it was going to be? So you said. You started the company with uh, the guy that you finished the PCT with. Yeah, and that's Paul, whose trail name is Tangent, by the way. Tangent. Well, there you go. <laughs> He's definitely present in this conversation. I've had too much caffeine today. Um, how did you decide that it would be under your trail name? Yeah, that's funny. Funny how that like small decisions in the beginning make <laughs> have big consequences later. Yeah. Um, so I I had a blog that I started in like 2008, I think. Um, and so basically, like, I had some name recognition already. So we were like, hey, how are we going to name this in a way that, like, it has some thru-hiker cred? Mm. And so we were like, we'll make it gut hooks. Um, and, yeah, so the, I kept writing the blog for a few years afterwards. And we've just finally, it was guthookhikes.com. Um, we just finally retired and redirected that website to the, the company website because basically... Uh, you know, at its peak, I was writing like two or three blog posts a week on that thing. Oh, wow. Um, you know, mostly like hiking trip reports and just like talking about random trail things. Um, you do uh, have a really popular and well-written uh, article about the <laughs> comparing the elevation change on the three Triple Crown trails. And that, that's your website that I'm thinking of, right? Yeah. And we've actually, so the, the few most popular like blog posts from you know, my old blog, we've, we've transferred over to the Atlas Guides website. That's gotcha. uh, atlasguides.com, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if people have listened to this podcast before, they've definitely heard Gut Hook, especially in that one trail correspondence episode, but <laughs> I, I'm sure we've mentioned it in other episodes. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, I'll, I'll say this on the air, because I mentioned it right before we started this, but like, I'm very glad that a lot of your correspondents mentioned one thing that drives me insane, which is people listening to external speakers while hiking. Um, and actually a few of your correspondents said much smarter things about that than I could ever say <laughs> that like for reasons why it's not a nice thing to do. So I'm really happy with them for that. Plus one. I, I was yeah. very happy that like unanimously they, they kind of pulled that out too because yeah, encountering that on trail defeats the purpose of being out on trail. It's just really infuriating to me, like, for so many reasons. Right. It was actually kind of funny, like, before external speakers became, like, I guess, affordable and light and easy to carry, um, I would get annoyed at people who were, like, listening to their headphones on the trail because I'd come up behind them and I'd be like, hey, and, you know, they don't turn around and I can't pass them. Uh, and so I would eventually, I'd just take my hiking pole and I'd kind of like wave it in front of their face from behind them. <laughs> it would scare the crap out. Did you put out. anyone's eye out? No, no, I always was careful. <laughs> I actually usually use the like, the, the handle, uh, t- handle end. Sure. Um, but it would always scare the heck out of them. And it was, it would be like pretty entertaining. <laughs> so with the speakers, like, you know, external speakers, I can no longer do that. So. Uh, <clears throat> uh, okay. So... I'm going to keep somewhat of a track here. This is what happens when I don't have show notes. Good luck. <laughs> uh, so, okay, you finished the PCT 2010, <clears throat> got your first iPhone 2011. Yeah, and that was after I actually started learning how to program. Okay, that was actually, that was that was my next question, is what what is, what is your background in engineering? Hmm. <laughs> Not much. I, mean, I basically took like a very, like a 101 computer programming course in college that was like, you know, make a hello world app 
Um, uh-huh. Or not even app. It was, you know, in C++. Uh-huh. Um, and that's about as technical as I will talk about. So, basically, I, I knew, like, the most basic, most basic stuff about programming. That's surprising to me. I would have taken you as someone that, like, had their degree in engineering who had been yeah. doing it for a decade or more. <laughs> yeah, not the case. Um, yeah, basically. So Paul had, Paul was the one that basically was like, I think these smartphone things are going to take off on the trail. So basically once I, once that friend of my mom's was like, you know, one more time, she was like, you got to start making apps. These are the thing to do. I was like, well, I don't have a really good um, alternative at this point. So I I had finished uh, the PCT. I had no job. I had no like prospects. Uh, I'd kind of like, you know, burned out on a lot of seasonal jobs. Mm -hmm. So basically I was working a very soul-sucking temp job, working at a bank of computers um, by day. And then like in the evenings, I was basically like reading books, like how-to books and watching YouTube videos on like how to make an iPhone app. Interesting. Um, And yeah, I mean, if, if you saw the original version of the app in 2012 that came out, um, I think it was probably more evident then that I did not really know much about what I was doing, but like it worked. Yeah. And that was all I could hope for. And it's, it's been like a very long, uh, learning process and, and awesome thing. Also, Alice who does the Android programming Mm -hmm. also had no background in, um, in any kind of software stuff. So she's also completely self-taught. That's amazing to me. Not, not the fact that you're self-taught, because I know a lot of really good uh, programmers that are that way. Um, the fact that you did it so quickly, the, the fact that you finished the PCT <laughs> and you hadn't even, you, you had no experience really engineering. You said you did that C++. Was yeah. it a course or just like a one-on-one mentor, mentorship? It was a course. So okay. it was like a one semester of like something very simple yeah. <laughs> to finish off college to like <laughs> get that last credit. Got you. <laughs> what was your degree in? History. History. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yep, that is that is a liberal arts education, by the way. <laughs> Where did you go to school? Uh, Vassar in New York. Okay. Um, spent most of my time screwing around and running away to the mountains. <laughs> so at least that part was right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so how many hours of you know iPhone app building tutorials do you think you watched before you started to plug away at building one? Oh my God, I have no idea. <laughs> Um, I think it helped that I had an idea of what I wanted to build first. Yeah. Um, which is maybe not the way that everybody does app, app developing. Um, honestly, I have no idea. I do remember like there was a very specific point in like 2014 or 2015 where I actually realized that I could read other people's code and make sense of it, which was like, that was like a mind blowing moment. Um, which I wish I could do that with like spoken languages, but right. <laughs> um, maybe someday I'll get around to doing that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's still like a learning experience at this point. Like yeah. I'm still watching like tutorial videos and certain things that are just probably a lot more complicated than what I was doing then. <laughs> so you said that you handle the iOS engineering. Is there a team or is it just you? It's just me. Um, which is <laughs> not like, uh, not the most efficient way of doing things. Cause I also like, um, like none of us does just one thing. So, right. you know, so there's three of us that own the company and we just at the beginning of this year hired, um, two employees, um, which is probably as big as the company is going to get for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. because it's like 
we don't want to make a big company. We just want to like be able to do something that we really enjoy doing. Um, but we suck at making websites and at social media and <laughs> at designing the app. So, yeah. um, and we needed a lot of help with like answering emails. So we got a few people who were really good at all those things. Got you. And customer lots, service, lots, you, like design. Well, customer service is like a side thing for them, but uh -huh. like. Uh, so one of them is a design, had a previous, you know, career in design, and one of them uh, is right out of business school and is like a social media guru and can like, she's just really good at all this stuff. Gotcha. Like I was running our Instagram account before she took over, and probably anybody that noticed our account could uh, see very easily when I when she took over because I was just like complete amateur. Yeah. Uh, is this the same person that you sent to Trail Days this year? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, Zoe does the design. Yeah. And uh, Natalie does the, the social media. And, and again, like both of them do a lot of other things as well because none of us can do just a few things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Zoe was the one that you sent to Trail Days, yeah? Yeah, Zoe went to Trail Days and also to PCT Days. Uh -huh. um, and you know, maybe someday we'll actually have like an official presence at Trail Days. Yeah. It's a zoo there, and it's like pretty much all of us that that uh, now work at this company are like super introverts, so it's really hard to be around that many people. Sure. Uh, uh, you, well, and, and you picked a good one. Did I actually bring that up because she was one of our bloggers back in the day. So oh, that's like, right, yeah. I wasn't surprised to see her there. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm here rubbing gut hook. I'm like, that's cool. So <laughs> I, I, there's, there's so many interesting things I want to touch on. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I blame the caffeine again. <laughs> when was the first version of the app released? Hmm. It was like March of 2012. Okay. Um, and that was just the Southern California part of the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh -huh. And we were like scrambling to process data to get the next few pieces out. And that was just for iPhone. Um, we didn't have an Android version of the app until 2013. And we only had like half of the Appalachian Trail in 2013. Um, basically, it was just Paul and me for the first year and a half. And then when Alice came on, uh, it was like pretty quickly she was able to like bring things up to like a, a completely different level of of actually getting things done mm -hmm. and you know also while I was learning what I was doing um, there were it was there was a long learning <laughs> learning curve yeah um, so I'm I'm kind of a technical dunce so explain to me how does it, how does this work so are you hiking the trails with the GPS unit and then extracting the data from that? And <laughs> how does that work? Uh, that is how it started, yes. Um, so Paul was actually writing a guidebook called Pocket PCT back in 2010, and that's how, um, that's how we got the data for the first round of the PCT. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Paul had actually hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 1997, I think, or 99 as well. So it was his second time going through the PCT. And in 2012, like after the app was like first put out there, Alice finished like a career as a lawyer. And, and, and Paul was like, let's celebrate. Let's go, let's go on some like big trip. What do you want to do? And she's like, let's hike the Pacific Crest Trail. And he's like, that's convenient. Uh, well, that wasn't what I had in mind, but I guess I could do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they both hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2012 and got a second round of data through doing that. 
Um, meanwhile, like the Appalachian Trail, I had a, a friend of mine, I hadn't even planned on making an app for the AT. Um, Cause I was like, who needs, who needs this? Who would want this? The Pacific Crest Trail is like hard to navigate. Right. Uh, but a friend of mine like, um, was like section hiking uh, the southern end of the AT um, and she was like, hey, I could like haul a GPS for you if you want. And I'm like, well, sure, why not? I'll give you something to do. Mm -hmm. So basically like, like, I paid for her like part of her hike and that's a good deal to haul an extra, what is it, like six, eight ounces? I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. It's actually, it's more work than, it's slightly more work than you think. Less than maybe you would imagine once I explain it. But it's, if, yeah, if you don't mind explaining, I'd be curious. I mean, basically you're just taking a GPS along and you're taking photos of, of waypoints and taking notes about uh -huh. waypoints. And then afterwards you end up having to write a lot of um, stuff and like process it from a raw form into... Um, into what you see in the app, hmm. but do you use the photos? Obviously, because I know your app includes photos as well. Um, but do you also use the G, uh, what is it? The geotag information from the photos, to, like cross-reference the GPS. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. It's just different. We have different methods for like getting the, you know, matching things up. And again, that's gone through like a lot of um, a long process of being made more efficient. Like yeah. The. the uh, the first round of data from Paul's GPS and photos and stuff to the first version of the PCT took, I think, like almost an entire year of data processing to, wow. to get it ready. It was painful. Yeah. Uh, and nowadays we can, you know, we have like slightly more efficient processes where like, uh, like a 400 mile section of trail, if I'm working really hard, I can finish the data processing in like two or three weeks. Wow. Um, which is still like, it makes my eyes hurt staring <laughs> at the computer that long. Um, actually, I literally have like messed up my eyes in the past year from too much computer time. Interesting. So kids, spend less time on your phones and spend more time in nature. It's a cautionary <laughs> tale. Uh, <laughs> uh, where was I? Yeah, there was the AT app came out. Yeah. Like half of it came out in 2013. And after that, like Alice... And I started like randomly bumping into people that we knew from like trail organizations or like getting in touch with them to be like, hey, would you like to work with us on making an app? And I think, so the Florida Trail um, is one of our first ones that we worked with. Um, we worked with Sandra Friend who writes the guidebook for the Florida Trail. Mm -hmm. um, I think she was the first one that we actually worked with. And I believe the Colorado Trail may have been the next one. Oh. Apropos. Yeah, with I can't remember if you said this at the top of the thing, but we are literally next door to their office right now. <laughs> yeah, hey, we just had a long conversation with Bill Manning. Um, okay, so, so I, I got to bring up a subject that we had on the podcast we just did with Jabba. Um, oh yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, do you tell? It, in that you know, the the subject came up because he was going for the FKT on the Colorado Trail, which I, I imagine you knew. Um, but he decided not to take a tracker, and part of the reason was he thought that the, or I guess I, I corroborate this because I took a, <laughs> a spot device on the PCT last year, and I'm not sure if I'm just bad at using these devices or if the devices are inherently flawed, but there were huge chunks of data missing. Um, I imagine you're probably using something more heavy-duty than like the four-ounce spot device or something like that. Uh, to do the, like, the tracking of the... For your app, yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> or was that it? Not really. Well, not using the spot. Um, no, originally we were just using like a Garmin handheld um, device and, and tend to get like a couple different rounds of of data from it. Got gotcha. you. Know, uh, and that's more or less what we still use. Interesting. Um, except so you don't have too many issues with incorrect data or missing data, or is it just a matter of continually doing it and eventually <laughs> you can kind of parse out what the correct route is? Usually it's good on one round. Uh -huh. um, also, when we're working with other organizations, this is like where it gets really useful is like, like the Colorado Trail Foundation or the Continental Divide Trail Coalition um, or a lot of these other trail organizations, they have like really, really good GIS data for their whole trail. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we like to work with them first. Well, there's a lot of reasons why we like to work with trail organizations. One is because like it gets them more involved and then um, we feel like we're doing something good for them, um, which is good. And then it's also like, it's good on both ends. Like the hikers like it, the trail organization likes that they're getting um, what we feel is a quality product for basically almost no, generally almost no, um, like fee, like talking with some of the other trail organizations, they've told us what like app developers have asked for, for like development costs yeah. and it's like laughable. Right. Um, so we're like, look, we've already got the, the app developed. All we have to do is like process data from you and then figure out how, you know, how we work with you to like. Um, get info to hikers or like what info needs to be to hikers anyway. So they're probably thrilled that you came along. Like you hit a major pain point for them. I don't know if it was a, well, for maybe some of them, it was a pain point at yeah. one point, but uh, yeah, hard to say exactly like where on the timeline we fell in terms of like what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. um, but we definitely like we're doing, we're doing as much as we can to help out like every trail organization. And actually one of the next steps in our um, app development is like, you know, we're going, we're going to be talking with more of our partners and other trail organization organizations to be like, Hey, what can this app do that would actually help you even more? Interesting. Um, so um, right now this is not public yet, but it's like about to be, um, probably not too big a secret to leak, but like um, we've built a water, a new water report website for the Continental Divide Trail Coalition mm. um, that like hooks into the waypoint comments in our Continental Divide Trail app. Oh, wow. So like um, rather than just like a spreadsheet on their website now, there's actually, I, th I think it's basically going to be a mirrored thing from our website and theirs where they, um, where you can like look up comments on different water sources from from the CDTC's website. And that'll feed directly into your app? Uh, it'll be comments from the app going to this website. Gotcha. So they'll be sourcing the data from the app to use on the website. Yeah. And then there's other things that we're trying to do. Like, um, like in the future, I'm trying to put together like a better system for like water source quality so that we'll be able to like get the quality of it, any individual water source over time and like make a graph of like, okay, uh, here's, you know, this water source is running really well every, uh, you know, June and it tends to dry up sometime between this time and this time. So you can actually 
have a better view of what it looks like and maybe hikers can use that to plan a little better. Um, we're talking with some trail organizations about ways to like have the hikers be able to submit uh, like submit like um, trail maintenance issues directly to the trail organization, which I worry about that because I think there's they're going to get a flood of like <laughs> there's there's this three inch twig across the trail. Come fix it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, if if they can get like reports immediately about what's going on on the trail and maybe maybe that's helpful to them so we, we have to like figure out how that's going to work yeah do people submit that through the app to you now i mean i know they don't expect you to do anything about not it. not really no no okay <laughs> there have been some like very rarely someone will be like i think this trail is dangerous mm -hmm. i'm like well it's where the trail is right but <laughs> Um, I want to be mindful of your time because we're already way over what I told you. But uh, So how many trails are you on right now? <laughs> uh, how many? I asked for, about you yeah. specifically because it's called Gut Hook and that's who you are. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> how, many, how many trails does the app? Oh, oh yeah, we've got, a, we've got a bunch. It's, uh, as far as long distance, long distance hiking trails, um, we have a lot in the United States. Um, so we've got like the, the Triple Crown, um, what I like to call the Triple Tiara, you know, the Colorado Trail, the Long Trail, and the John Muir Trail. Um, a bunch of like, a lot of the National Scenic Trails, so that like add in the Pacific Northwest, the Florida Trail, uh, the Arizona Trail. Oh man, there's a lot. Uh, I just finished earlier this summer uh, kind of a the guide to the White Mountains in New Hampshire and Maine. Hmm. Uh, and I've got a, because I live up there, I tend to just like map things as I hike, hike them. So I put in like a bunch of trail networks in in New England and we're working on adding some more of those. We've got one long trail in Canada right now. I think just one. We're looking into the idea of some more because I do love, you know, going to Canada more often. Hmm. Um, yeah, so the Great Divide Trail in Canada continues north from the CDT. Um, let's see, we've got partners, we've, we're partnering with a small company in Australia to do, um, mostly long distance biking routes in Australia, but they've also started adding a lot of hiking routes in Australia, New Zealand, and Tasmania, which look really cool. Hmm. Um, the Te Araroa in New Zealand is like the big one mm -hmm. out there. Um, we've got a bunch in the UK now, which is a partnership with a guidebook company out there. Uh, and I've got to say, like, that was the last long hike I went on was uh, a couple of the long trails in the UK, which is my first backpacking outside of the, the US. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is really fun. Hmm. It's expensive compared to, like, you know, hiking a wilderness trail, but, like, uh, spending a night in a bed every night and like <laughs> hiking from one, you know, 2000 year old village to another is pretty neat. Huh. What, is there one trail that stands out to you? Uh, so I did two and there's actually like, there's dozens of them out there and they tend to be like 70 to 150 miles long, which is pretty sweet for like a short vacation. Yeah. I, I will rant about them all the time because yeah. there's, they're pretty, pretty neat. Um, the big one that I did was the coast to coast, which is, uh, about 200 miles long. Um, and it was just so cool. Um, yeah, it's it, like, I could go on for hours about that. Um, 
like I said, it was way more expensive than my usual hiking trips of that length. But yeah. like, uh, you know, once in a great while, I would totally go back and do another trail out there. Yeah. Um, What's interesting to me is the way, the difference in the way that you talk about hiking versus building an app. <laughs> and uh, you definitely have much more passion for one versus the other. Uh, yeah, that is kind of funny. I do, I mean, hiking is, the reason this is like a cool job um, that, you know, we all really love is that like all of us are into hiking a lot. And um, I do get a lot of, enjoyment out of the actual programming of the app because mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like puzzles it's just like a bunch of puzzles over and over all day long um it is more difficult for me to do all the stuff that goes along with it like managing like answering emails and doing and podcasts because like, <laughs> i get to talk about hiking that's actually okay, okay cool. <laughs> um but yeah like uh i complain when i don't get to go hiking like backpacking several times a month, you know? And I'm like, yeah, most people don't get to do that. Yeah. So. so so what percentage of the GPS data is coming from either you or your partner? Oh, not so much anymore. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, we try, because it's a really inefficient use of time. And actually, yeah. one of the things that, one of the reasons I, I tried to cut down on it also was that uh, even though, you know, mixing work and play is awesome, um, but when you, when you get to the point where you're like hiking and you're thinking more about getting work done than you are about like just having a good time. Right. I won't say that it ever got to the point where I was like, uh, not enjoying the hiking, but I saw that as a possible future and I was like, I don't want that to happen. So yeah. I want to make sure I go on more backpacking trips that are actually just for fun. Right. Uh, which is a strange thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, <clears throat> I, I used to be like a diehard sports fan. I still love my teams. Uh, I can't say that I love sports in general. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to just watch like a random game. And that happened when I worked for a professional baseball oh, team. Oh, yeah. It's just like, it, it's it's a very quick way to turn a hobby into, or like a passion into a hobby, into something that you loathe. Or maybe loathe is too far. But something that gets more exhausting than like fun. Yeah. Maybe. You, you stop having purely positive associations with it. And I, I fortunately that hasn't happened with me with hiking. But <laughs> yeah. I, to, to your point. But also a nice thing is that once you stop doing it as like 100% work, then it really does return to being really fun absolutely instantly yeah so that's nice yeah no and i and i hardly blogged on my pct hike last year um for that exact reason is oh, like yeah. I, I felt like i had to more than i wanted to and part of that was just because we were on a uh, pretty strict time crunch self-imposed <laughs> but yeah it's the the blogging component of it was it felt more like a chore than something i wanted to do. yeah that's pretty much why i stopped blogging after a long time too because yeah. it felt like i was uh it, yeah it felt like more of a chore it yeah. felt like I wasn't getting the enjoyment out of it that I once was. Right. Yeah. No, I, and I loved it on the AT. It was like one of the things that I looked forward to the most. <laughs> uh, again, we're way over our time. So I, I guess the, the uh, is there anything is, else this about is what happens when I talk about hiking? I will, I will go on for yeah, hours. No, this is great. I mean, I, I just, I want to be, I know you're a busy guy. I want to be mindful. I'm avoiding doing work right now. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else about the app that you want to convey to our listeners? Uh, man, I, mean, I could keep conveying things. I, I do want to like, just say one thing that I thought of when, when listening to your, uh, podcast from your correspondence about the tech on the trail, which is, and this is something I think about a lot, but like it is, uh, man, how do I put this? 
without just sounding like an old fart who, uh, <laughs> who's like telling you kids to like get off his lawn. But like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that people enjoy the app. Like I, it gives me tons of enjoyment, but I also would really love uh, if people also like remembered to switch off their phones from time to time, you know, like remember how fun it is to just like not know where you are or like, you know, so it's, that's something that I struggle with from time to time where it's like the trail is not like, you know, the, the AT or the PCT are not like they were when I hiked them. And it, and I think that's okay. But I do think that people um, should see what they're missing from time to time. Right. You know, no, um. that's, that's sage <laughs> for sure. At, at some of the sections that I enjoyed the most, and maybe this isn't the only reason, but like there are long stretches in Washington or through the Sierra mm-hmm. where you don't get any service and you don't even have the option because sometimes it's the option is too appealing, like yeah. you know, to get a forecast, whatever it might be. It's true. I realized the other day, like I was hiking back home in the White Mountains, and some of the trails that I like the most out there are the ones that don't get a lot of use. Right. Um, and I like, you know, the trail was overgrown. I lost the trail, and I went to reach for my phone, and I was like, wait. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and I, you know, I forgot that there's like, there's a sense of satisfaction to like find your own way using your own senses before you rely on the, like the optional tools. Um, and it was fun to have the optional tools because I designed them for my own enjoyment in a lot of cases, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's definitely like a, I don't think it's bad that people have the extra tool. I, it's, it's like a, I, I think it's, it's useful for people to like think of what, what the alternatives are and just like, you know, try to have all of the experiences. <laughs> Be more mindful of your technology use on trail. Yeah, actually, so uh, basically the way I do it, um, just, you know, take as you will, don't take, count this as a prescription, but like when I get out of my car at a trailhead, or wherever, um, the phone goes into airplane mode. I don't care if there's cell signal where I'm going. The phone does not come out of airplane mode until I get back into a car or like into town, depending on what kind of hike I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, not only does it save battery, but it also like uh, keeps you disconnected, which actually, to me, is like a very relaxing thing. Like being connected all the time is anxiety-inducing. I think Absolutely. that's similar for a lot of people. Right. Um, so if you just like put yourself in that mindset of like, I'm not allowed to use my phone right now, (laughs) like even if it's self-imposed, uh, I feel like it helps with a lot of the relaxation uh, on, on the trail. Yeah. Our (laughs) listeners might not have expected the guy with the, uh, ubiquitous app on trail to be telling you to use your phone less often, but I think that's really sage advice. And I I do like being that guy. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Cool. Well, yeah. Again, we're way over our time. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on, man. I'm, I'm glad I didn't look at my watch when we started. I'm, <laughs> you I'm hate actually, me right now. <laughs> no, psh, no, seriously, I am. Uh, I do need to like take more breaks from the computer to like rest my eyes these days. Sure, I was so. giving your eyes a break, so you're welcome. <laughs> right on. <laughs> hey, well, man. great talking with you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. our interview with Guthook. Chance, what'd you think? Were you blown away? I'm really sad I missed this one. (laughs) 
I really wanted to meet him and be like, yo, thanks for the apps and maps. But I need to, we need to get big to the point where I can quit my job. And then when you tell me, hey, we've got a podcast recording on Tuesday at noon, I don't have to start messaging you like, should I tell them I poop my pants and have to leave the office? This is a real conversation that we had. <laughs> this was at like 10 p.m. the night before I had the interview. I'm like, hey, by the way, I don't know if you can get off work, but I'm going to be interviewing Gut Hook at the CDTC in Golden. Uh, and John's like, I want to go. How do I go? I'm like, this is your job. This is your thing to figure I out. I know. I was like, Zach, help me think of alibis. <laughs> the only thing I contributed was diarrhea, yeah. so, which is usually my contribution. Uh, a little foreshadowing for what is to come. But <clears throat> with that said, yeah, the interview is good. Uh, you'll, what was your favorite question? You know that one where like you said that thing and he gave that really good answer? Yeah, I like that too. I like that one a yeah, lot. That was good. Uh, okay, so a little Trek propaganda, as per usual. Uh, the post I want to highlight today, because I think she did a great job with it, which is not even her field. Her field is just kicking ass at life, uh, especially endurance sports, is an article written by none other than Jennifer Farr Davis. Um, and we had this fact-checked by someone who works in the health insurance industries, just to make sure that we had all of our ducks in a row. Um, so the post came out to my understanding, very factually accurate and pretty robust. It, it kind of covers all the different insurance options for long distance backpackers. I'm not going to go over all of them in the post nor highlight, you know, all the pros and cons for each, but I'm, I just want to touch on a few of them here. And I think the biggest one that people probably use amongst the through hiking world, and I'd, I'd be curious to get your take. What did you do for health insurance on the PCT? I was under 26. Uh, you have to be on your parents. Yes. So that that's actually one of the options and probably applies to a lot of people out on the trail. Yeah. You get some people between high school, college, and then a lot of people fresh out of school that are out on the trail. Um, but the next most popular one, and this is the thing that I did, which doesn't quite make sense once, and I'll explain why that is, but is the Affordable Health Care Act, uh, also known as Obamacare, which is just the marketplace within your state which is the most approachable way to get health insurance for a lot of people. And if you make less than, I forget what it is, I think it's like 20% above or below the poverty level, uh, you get your health insurance heavily subsidized. Uh, so for through hikers, that makes sense because they're probably not going to be making a lot of income the year that they're through hiking. Uh, the biggest issue is that with any commercial plan is the insurance network uh, of covered providers, meaning... <clears throat> that hikers will not have coverage for out-of-network providers. A lot of times this only covers providers within the state that you are registered for. So unless you're you know, hiking on the PCT and you're from California. And you're not leaving California. Yeah, it, like it'll cover you for the first 1,700, 1,800. I, I forget like exactly. Seven, 17, 18. I forget exactly what it is. Uh, Maybe a little less. I know it's more than half the trail. Washington's like 550. Yeah. And Oregon is something. something. Oregon <laughs> has some miles in it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Math. Anyways, neither here nor there. Someone uh, knows. So the point is, there's a pretty good chance that if you're using Obamacare, that you're not going to be covered uh, for a lot of this hike. And I'm not sure what kind of variance there is state by state, but I know that when I had my uh, ACA coverage, when I hiked the PCT last year, when I registered in Colorado, that it pretty much did nothing for me out of state. The thing that I did to supplement it, which is also covered in this in the post, is I did get uh, travel insurance, which will cover you if you get anything related to the adventure itself. So like, let's say you fall, you break, an, you break a bone, an ankle, whatever. The travel insurance would cover that. And another good thing about travel insurance is it is actually very affordable. I was shocked to see how cheap it was. There's some website 
and I don't have it in front of me, which has like a marketplace that gives you a bunch of options for different travel insurances. So definitely shop around. Um, but that's something that if you are going to be doing something like a through hike, it is a good supplemental insurance. Uh, the other thing that, uh, JPD highlights is staying on your parents' plan. Like Sean said, uh, Another option is to reach out to different health insurance companies and see what they have to offer. That's not even something that I was aware of. So hmm. that, that was an interesting bullet point from this uh, to see if you qualify for a catastrophic plan. I think you can get that through uh, Obamacare as well. It's basically just like the cheapest insurance level. It's below the bronze. It's a very cheap, not a very cheap, but a cheaper uh, premium payment, but a kind of a lot of out-of-pocket expenses should anything happen. Uh, and then there's Medicare, uh, especially for those on the AT, there's a pretty big demographic of people who are retirees. Uh, so if you're 65 or older, you should be eligible for Medicare benefits, Medicaid, uh, which is that, so there's two catches with Medicaid. Uh, one is that you have to qualify, which typically means that you don't have much of a pre-existing income before you start hiking. And the other is that you meet the standards to stay on Medicaid, such as applying for jobs, et cetera. Um, again, I'm just, I'm just quickly breezing through these points that this is not meant to be comprehensive. You should definitely check out the post, which will be in the show notes. Uh, and then a couple of the other ones that stood out to me were Cobra, which is, I don't know much about it other than it's typically very expensive, but it probably something worth shopping compared to ACA. And then this is something I'd never heard of before, which is association based plans. Uh, and the, the prime example that I pulled out from this article were healthcare ministries. Hmm. Um, and what this offers is they're cheaper premiums, but more out of pocket expenses. So if, if you don't use your healthcare, uh, it's going to end up being cheaper for you. If you do have something go wrong, there's a break even point. I think Jen pointed out that if they did like two hospital stays, like it kind of broke even around that for her. And then another catch with this is that participants must adhere to a specific religion and or sign a profession of faith. Yeah, that's kind of strange. That's specifically for the healthcare ministry option. So that is a religious based. I guess the plan. ministry should have kicked it off. Yeah. And yeah. So if you want to if you want to get a little bit more into the rabbit hole with this, definitely check out the article. Uh, again, it's health insurance options for long distance backpackers, and it will be in the show notes. The other couple of articles I want to highlight, uh, of course, one has to do with poop. Sean saw this and she, <laughs> she gave me, she gave me shit pun intended for <laughs> pushing it all over Facebook. I, it, it was too I good. I see this every share. day on my timeline. Cause every day Zach's like, I'll push this share button again. <laughs> I'll shove this shit down your throat. Uh, so I, I run a couple of our Instagram accounts and <laughs> someone had tagged the Trek, uh, with a pretty cool chart that, or I don't know, illustration that they made, uh, You've seen this, so I don't. I don't need to go into too much yeah. detail. But it, basically, it's five different cat holing positions, five different ways to shit in the woods is essentially what it is. And he he gives funny names and draws the pictures that correspond to it. Uh, it's worth checking out. It's fun to just see how other people do it because we asked uh, in the comments for people to share how they do it. I should have included a poll. I'm now realizing that was an oversight, and I don't mean the pole dancer, which is one of the moves. Um, trying to do one of these. I'd say I lean towards one of them more than the other. You're not going to share? No, that'll be a secret. Okay. Because I didn't see one where there's a dog rubbing feces all over you, so. You know, that one's not as popular as yeah. others, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I'm a particular fan of the breakdancer, but that's neither here nor there. Is that how you do it? 
Uh, sometimes I just, I feel like the squat is too much work on your legs. The lazy kind of looks like you would be pooping on yourself. Definitely. I don't... Like, that's going straight in his pants. I'm, I'm assuming that the, that was incorporated just as, like, a humorous inclusion. Uh, unless someone actually shits near, very Vertically near standing. their boots <laughs> on a very regular basis. The lazy is just some guy standing straight and, like, leaning against a tree like he's had a rough day. Yeah, it looks like he's both shitting and vomiting at the same time yeah uh, that's called the lazy i would call that the hangover but uh <laughs> shout out to at wagabond tales who is the artist behind this uh this this was a, a fun post and then a little bit below that we have a uh infographic about how to poop in the woods kind of covers the leave no trace elements of I see, it i didn't see this part because i only ever saw the first picture so this was a, a late addition but uh, this infographic is great definitely check out the post to see the full thing and check out Kirsten A. LaCrosse's website to see all of her illustrations. She's very talented. Or they are very talented. I apologize. And then the last one I want to talk about, this is from one of our writers slash uh, she's been handling our social for a little while as well. Uh, her trail name is Socked In, Rebecca Sperry. She, so she's she's a badass, bona fide badass. She's hiked all of the 4,000 footers in New Hampshire. There's 48 of them. And she... We were we were on a editorial call with our writer team, and I proposed the. So I just before we got on the call, uh, I had come across an article about Breaking Bad, where every single episode of Breaking Bad was ranked from worst to best, mm -hmm. and like it, it's a preposterous idea, like to rank episodes like that. But it's it's fun. It's fun to have that debate with people. Once she mentioned that she had hiked all of the four thousand footers, I'm like, why don't you do this? Why don't you rank all of the forty eight? Mm -hmm. 4,000 footers in New Hampshire. She's like, all right, I'll take it on. Uh, worth noting with this, it's not meant to be like a concrete ranking. It's not saying that this mountain is the best and this one is the worst. It's it's just more for conversation. It's basically her experiences, the ones that she liked the best. So if you want to poop on the list, don't do it because she's just saying the her, which experiences she enjoyed the most. It's not meant to be a concrete thing. I'm not going to highlight any of them because you guys should read the article. She did. She she gives a nice description with each of the mountains. But which one's number one? Should we give away number one? How about we yeah. give away number nine? Because number nine. How about let's do number five? No one cares about number nine. Uh, give us number two. Okay, we'll that way they two. wonder what number okay. one is. Uh, yeah, you read that word. <laughs> Kabat. Yeah. Cabot. Unless it's French. And Cabot it's or like Cabot. Uh, the Cabot. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. So check out the article. She she did a really good job with it. Just wanted to quickly highlight that. And then the last thing is, uh, it is that time of year. If anyone listening to this is through hiking next year or even doing an extended section hike, uh, we're always looking for more vloggers and bloggers. Uh, definitely making a bigger push for video this year. Um, had some good vloggers last year as well. Uh, but check out the show notes. We've got the link to apply, or if you just Google uh, apply to be a blogger, vlogger, the trek, you will find the link as well. Speaking of Googling, before we started recording, Zach went to a news like website, went to their search bar and searched the word poop to see if the trek would come up as number one. And the, the answer was no, but they also <laughs> didn't have anything for poop. So uh, shame on you, Flipboard. You need so just, say, just so you know how Zach goes about seeing if the trek is succeeding or failing. I just, I, I'm, <laughs> most of my day is spent Googling poop. <laughs> As if you wouldn't have guessed based on the number of times we've referenced it. I'm a pole dancer. Uh, okay. To the triple crown of, this will be the third edition. Uh, this this will be the one that I think we're the least prepared for, because I just literally wrote this down right before you got here. I know, when I, I was on my phone while you were talking before. Oh, you're making was, notes? Okay, so you're more prepared than I came I up with four. 
Four. Okay. So you got you've got some in reserves. Yeah. Um like idiots, we forgot to introduce the actual subject of today's Triple Crown, which is Thanksgiving foods. Here it is. I'll let you go first. Okay. Uh, my first one is stuffing. Damn it. Fuck, I should have Freaking not let you go first. love stuffing. Stuffing is the best. It is the grade A number one Thanksgiving food, hands <sighs> down. Shit. Pile it on my plate. I don't need anything else. It really is. It's the one that connects all the other dishes. Like Stuffing like, with any other thing is delicious. It's just so nice. It's like yeah. a liquid, not solid... Is but your, mostly is your solid liquid? No, but you put like the chicken broth and stuff in it, so it's like kind of like a squishy solid, you know. I guess this will be a fun part of the debate. It's see. not a liquid. Yeah, but it's like a, it's more <laughs> liquidy than other solid foods. Okay, it's not all right. I guess it's I got get that what like saying. it's moist. I hate using that word, but it's moist. <laughs> Will you explain to me why the aversion to that? Because I know that I this is know. a thing, but why do people hate that? It just like sounds like like if something's moist, it's like hot, humid, like that type of wet where it's like, eh, I'm uncomfortable. But I mean, it's the word that puts you off, right? Well, cause it reminds of that feeling, at least for if, me. If I were to say murder, would you have the same response to that? No, because I, I can't <laughs> so feel that. I don't than... feel that. I don't feel like a knife <laughs> stabbing you. You obviously never been murdered. Let me tell you, Clearly. it's not great. It's not the, it's not the best. Someone write in <laughs> properly explain to me what's wrong with the word moist. I don't, I think, I don't know. It's like it people that don't weird. like cilantro. I think it's just like a genetic thing. It's built into a third of the population's people genetics. Don't not like cilantro. That's oh, ridiculous. that's a real thing. There, I forget what the percentage is, but there's a certain percentage of the population that think that cilantro tastes like soap. One day, can we do the um, triple crown of herbs and spices? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be. We'll have to. We'll be digging at that point. But I'm very down for that. Uh, okay. Well, fuck you for taking mine, and I don't have my list. Teach it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go pumpkin pie. Mm. I can't leave that sitting too long. I didn't put that on mine. Yeah. And that is one of the top best you ones. Can't Pumpkin pie is delicious. Oh, so good. And it's really only appropriate at Thanksgiving. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I could eat any pumpkin pie right now. No. Like, if you come out to, like, a 4th of July party with a pumpkin pie, like, you're go going home. right home. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Give me one of those uh, red, white, and blue rocket pops. Yep. And get out of my way. Um, with my second pick, damn. I really wanted stuffing. I didn't think. Are we snake drafting with two people? Yeah, we have to. It's a short short snake. (laughs) More of a garter snake. I know what I'm not going to take because you already told me that you don't want this. So I'm going to save it for my last pick. Good. Um, Hmm. Sorry for the anticipation. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head, but... All right, so this is this is a a Davis specialty. So th- I don't think that this will apply to a lot of people listening, but uh, this has been passed down from a, f- a few generations of Davises. is a is a dish called chicken and noodles, and it's just like a homemade noodle with chicken and broth. It's very basic and it's delicious. It's one of those things. A homemade where, like, noodle with chicken and broth. So you're talking about chicken and noodle soup. Uh, I, I, actually, I've never made it. So <laughs> homemade noodle with chicken. It's just and called broth. chicken noodles. It's it's so it's it's more stewy than soupy. Like you you put it on your plate. It's not something that you put into a bowl separate. And it kind of oh, like weird. To use your description, it's kind of moist. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's it spreads along the plate. It's one of those things where it's. It sounds a little more liquidy than stuffing, though. More liquidy, more moist than stuffing. Should we make a scale and it's like one side is liquid and the other side is solid and we'll rank Thanksgiving foods along that scale? Raised? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, that'll be, and we'll make like a physical product. That way we can include it in the Backpacker Radio store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I can't uh, wait for that story to go live. The, the moistness ranker. There's a really bad draft pick. The moistness <laughs> ranker. Uh, this is a really bad draft pick because there's no chance that anyone is going to take that. But uh, it's too good to ignore. So I'm going with chicken okay. noodles. My next one. Yeah. Mashed potatoes and gravy. Okay. Classic. On that gravy train. Yeah. I, I don't I'll let it slide. The fact that you're combining those two things. I guess they go hand in hand. Yeah, do I you, mean... Do you push the ladle into the middle of the mashed potatoes? No, I put the back of my spoon into the mashed uh, potatoes, because, like, that yeah. way I don't dirty the ladle. Yeah. But, and then, how, what? describe your gravy application. If it hits every inch of the plate, it's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> gravy is like stuffing. It's one of those things that it doesn't... It can go on the stuff. If it gets on the stuffing, even better. Yeah, That's exactly. a good day. That's true. It's a good day when your gravy yeah. goes on your stuffing. <laughs> uh, my next one, this is kind of... I'm taking from you on this one. Uh, polenta. Mm. Not many people do that for Thanksgiving. Yeah, but no. spoiler alert: I hate turkey on Thanksgiving. I don't like it. I think it's dry, and I mean it's not usually the driest, but I don't like it as a meat. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I think you're in pretty good company there. Yeah. So we do polenta instead. Yeah. Um, I can't leave it hanging. I'm gonna I'm gonna take turkey specifically. Again, this is a, a weird Davis thing, but we do capon, which I think is like a smaller turkey. Uh, mm. I'll have to look into exactly what the difference is. I think it's just a smaller turkey, uh, Davis tradition. But I agree with you. It can be on the drier side, uh, unless you get a leg. Legs are always delicious. However, in terms of leftovers, turkeys are ex- essential. Yeah. Making a sandwich with cranberry turkey, a little bit of mayonnaise maybe. See, but now we like we make a little ham because mm. that I think is a better meat than a turkey. Certainly but, saltier. Yeah. I mean, ham goes with everything, right? Yeah. What couldn't you Turkey used to be, my nana used to make a really good turkey with like, she would put bacon all over it before she'd put it in the oven. Yep. Like strips of bacon. That doesn't suck. That was good. Yeah. All right. So that was a quick uh, Thanksgiving foods draft. What did we leave? Let's do our honorable mentions and definitely let us know on Instagram what we forgot because yes. I'm sure we forgot a lot of important. Um, we didn't forget cranberry sauce. That one is intentionally left out. Cranberry sauce sucks. I'm not a huge cranberry sauce fan either. Uh, Although, so don't, but in don't the, tell us that one. In the spectrum or <laughs> in the uh, application of a turkey sandwich, I think it is a necess- necessity. Uh, wine. Ooh, wine. Very good Thanksgiving Important. Food. Like, uh, on Thanksgiving, I'm drinking probably a bottle of wine. Okay. Honorable mention to cornbread. Yes. And honorable mention to football. Football. Ooh, Bears play on uh, Thanksgiving. Are they playing on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Ooh, that'll be nice. Yeah. Um, does your family do any sort of, like, sweet potato dish? Um, I kind of, that was kind of in my mashed potatoes. Uh-huh. Do they do mashed sweet potatoes or just regular potatoes? I think they do both. Okay. They do like a mashed regular potato and then like a sweet potato casserole, but. Sweet potato casserole, that sounds it's good. potato. Yeah. Potato uh, potato. Yeah, we do like a yam with like marshmallows on top. I'm not sure if that's weird. I've had that. Yeah. No, that's good. It is really good. I didn't think it'd be good until I had it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, it's, it really is just dessert. Yeah. And you're putting it on your dinner plate. Yeah. Which is, which is good. Um, green bean casserole. Green bean. That that's, good? A, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've got another. I think probably Davis specialty is called broccolia, and it's broccolia because <laughs> it's named after my grandmother who is Leah. Okay. Uh, but it's it's another good dish. It's got like broccoli, mayonnaise, and it's got like a clean layer of American cheese over the top of it. It's really good. Hmm. Oh, I have one. Um, when we were little, we were never allowed to drink soda except for Friday night. We were allowed one cup. But on Thanksgiving, my mom would get, I can't remember if it was cherry or cranberry, but uh-huh. that red ginger ale. Ah, interesting. You know that one? Yeah. That one's the very Thanksgiving interesting. soda. Did you ever have the sparkling grape juice, like in the champagne um, bottles? I have not had, I don't think I've ever had sparkling grape juice. I've had sparkling like apple cider. Mm. Sparkling grape juice is good. Non-alcoholic. Mm. 
it's it's something to be ex- excited about from the ages of like two to yeah 14. we usually did the apple version so that one uh-huh. excites me yeah <laughs> uh let us know at backpacker radio on instagram what we missed which is certainly a lot yeah what's the broccolini of your life <laughs> broccolia broccolia <laughs> oh the broccolini is a thing it's like it is yeah i've never had it it's really good Assuming you like broccoli. Uh, okay, mailbag. We do get emails occasionally from you guys, which we love very much, which is uh, a big part of the reason why we're going to read a couple of them here. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, that's podcast at thetrek.co. This first one goes, hey, guys, I really enjoy your podcast. Keep up the good work. I'm listening to the episode on considerations for international hikers. And the question was brought up about gear availability and hiking culture in Japan. <laughs> I've lived in Japan for over 20 years, and I can tell you that Japanese have a huge outdoor culture. It's not even a trendy hipster sort of thing. It's just a big part of the culture. As such, you can get any kind of gear you want and at very reasonable prices. As an aside, if you want to do some amazing hiking and backpacking, Japan is the place to do it. Transportation is hella easy, and 80% of the country is mountains, most of which is completely unpopulated. And that comes in from Levi Cole. Uh, Really appreciate the email. Actually kind of knew that... uh, Japan was a good backpacking culture. I know Liz Thomas has done a lot of backpacking out there. Montbell, which is a popular company out here, is based in Japan, I believe. Um, so, but no, it's good to know from someone that lives out there that uh, can vouch for it. Yeah, I've heard like lately more and more about Japan's hiking culture. Yeah, it would be I feel great. Like it's like becoming a thing. It'd be awesome to get someone in the Denver area who has done some serious trekking in Japan to come on and talk about it because I certainly would love to le- learn more about it. Yeah, there's they have a lot of long trails. Yeah, like a lot of them. I googled them at work one day. Oh. So now you know. Oh, is it my turn to read? Uh, yeah. You, you can take this entire thing, or we can split. We can it go up. paragraph by paragraph. This one was a really good one. This is a really good email. Hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast since you started it, and it's great. It keeps me connected to the trail and its community and soothes the hiking part of my brain while I have to drive and at work. Absolute five stars given by this Brit. I'm emailing for a few reasons, and so as to not be convoluted, I'll make my points paragraph by paragraph. Really, what you did is you just made it easier for me and Zach to read. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a... Oh, do you want to take this one? Oh, no, go ahead. I'm a 41-year-old Brit now living in Maine for the last 14 years. I've hiked large sections of the AT, about 1,400 trail miles, and some sections of the PCT, about 300 miles. I totally plink, I love this sentence, I totally pink blaze and met my future ex-wife on the AT, as you do. (laughs) Hence my change of immigration situation. I wanted to clarify and expand upon a few points made by your recent guest, Piers Ellison, who was awesome, by the way. For shorter stays under three months, you do need the ESTA, and that will suffice. So if it is possible to visit for three months, take a two-week break, then fly back to finish up. That's not ideal for most people, but it is possible. He's right about the B-2 visa. I found it a bit of a process to get the extended visa back in 2004 prior to my second stint and attempt at a thru-hike of the AT. I did get one eventually after visiting the embassy in London. They granted me a six-month visa. Just as Pierce had said, when I arrived in Atlanta, I had to explain to U.S. immigration why I was here, show them my visa, etc., They'd never heard of the AT and couldn't comprehend what I was trying to do. He looked me up and down and said, I think you can do it in five months, and changed my visa exit date, stamped it, and moved me along. So any future international hikers are aware, even though you've been granted a visa, the ultimate decision is always made by the immigration officers at your point of arrival. So don't look like a bum in your hiking gear. Buy some flying-only clothes and ditch them once you get through. That's crazy. I had no idea about that. That's so funny. It's just in the hands of one (laughs) person. I bet you could do it in five months. Yeah. 
uh, I wonder if he, he also has the power to extend it. Because when you talk to most people about how long, like when you say you're going to walk from Georgia to Maine, they're like, oh, what is that like a year and a half? Right. That guy just kind of pulled five months out of his butt. Uh, anyways, uh, he highlights a few trails in the next paragraph. I'm just going to kind of breeze through it. Uh, it's the Southwest Coast Path, which is a continuous 650 mile-ish trail that follows the rugged coastline around England's Southwest Peninsula. Uh, these are his words, not mine. The Wales Coastal Path, uh, that's approximately 800 miles and can be easily combined with the Southwest Coast Path. And they're near completion of the British Coastal Path, which runs around the entire British coast, approximately 2,800 miles. That sounds awesome. That Southwest Coast Path actually sounds really good. No, they all sound awesome. Pierce is right about the wild camping rules. Basically, it's not allowed in England or Wales. It's legal in Scotland, but... um, Pierce is right about the wild camping rules. Basically, it's not allowed in England or Wales, parentheses. It's legal in Scotland, end parentheses, but totally possible and fine by me if you practice LNT and aren't obnoxious about where you camp. Um, when I go home, I treat the English trails as I would the AT or PCT. I camp out in a cool spot just before dark and head out early. Every three or four days, I'll find a campground or campsite, as they call them over there, to pitch my tent, use the laundry, showers, etc., or use a pub and or B and B for extra lug. Wow, I can't read that sentence. Or use a pub or B and B for extra luxury. Now that I've said the magic P word, pub, hmm. you can also have a nice pint of beer in a cozy British pub almost every day or night of any hike, which is for me a massive bonus and one that I'm sure traveling Americans who like a good ale or cider would also enjoy. It's totally possible to avoid the pubs, but why would you? You spent some time in England, right? Yeah. I love the pub culture out it's there. It's so good. It's amazing. There was this one um, up in Ambleside, which is like in the Lakes District. It's like your standard pub. Like we came in like after like this rainy, wet day, like out like at the Castle Crags and like go into this pub and it's like there's this big hearth with like this fire going, like mm. stone floors, dogs lying around, big wooden tables and you like order a stew and a pint. Oh, it's a great time. It is magical. I know. You just That was a really good description. It made me romantic for that. I know. I miss it. People complain about the fact that the beers aren't cold out there. The way they serve the cask ales, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, they're so smooth. Yeah, they're fine by me. Uh, last paragraph goes, my trail name is Cheers, and I'm a devoted subscriber slash listener. I love being so close to the AT up here near Rangeley in Maine, and since finding your podcast, have 90% convinced myself to finish the AT in 2019 and finish what the hell I came here to do in the first place. Cheers. Uh, Cheers is both his sign-off and his trail name, so that works nicely. Uh Thank you guys so much for emailing us. Those were just a couple of the emails. We've been getting them more frequently of late. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, et cetera, that you want to relay to us, that's podcast at thetrek.co. Trance is furiously looking <laughs> up our five-star reviews right Update now. your thing. I put in photos. Or their photos. I don't know. I, I put them in. Oh, oh, well done. Look, and I made them big, too, because well I don't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see one photo. There should be two. There should be one underneath it. Aha. I skipped a page. Okay. Um, which one do you want? I don't care. Okay, I'll go first, because it's got the girl shrugging, and that's totes me. Uh, title is, Now What? With the girl shrugging. <laughs> Read the name. <laughs> Farquad 216. <laughs> is that a Shrek reference? I don't know. Lord Farquad. Oh, uh, is that the name? I forget that. That's the name of that little guy. Ah. Uh, anyway. Uh, I'll tell you... 
I'll tell it to you in short. Nursing school, graduation, fall 2020, AT 2021, grad present to myself. Weight loss goal, lose 120 pounds before then. Good on you, girl. Damn. Uh, I don't even know how I discovered this podcast. It's honestly the first one I've ever listened to. Well, they have nothing so, to compare it to. Yeah, <laughs> no wonder they like it. By definition, I guess we are the best podcast she's ever heard <laughs> and the worst. I'm pretty inexperienced when it comes to long-term hiking, so I've really been trying to research the best gear and what to expect, but you guys really nailed it. I really feel like in the last three weeks, yes, I binge listened to all of these. I got a feel for the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's to come. You guys are awesome. Applause. Keep it up. P.S. Did Zach ever hike the AT? No, he didn't. It's a sham. I will drink to that. (laughs) Uh, A quick note on her comment. We do have a suggested AT gear list, which is largely based off of the thru-hiker surveys, which we talked about in the previous podcast. Uh, So if you just go to the website, go to the top menu bar. If you look at thru-hiker gear list, there's one for both the AT and PCT. You'll see it there. Show notes. Um, This next one is love this exclamation point. By Scorcher BH. Every time I listen to an episode, all I want to do is hit a trail. Thanks for keeping my trail fever down with all of the fun stories. Love it. I like the way that you wrote that too. <laughs> nice touch. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and this last one is the title is just is that praise? Was that, that that's like the hands up emoji with like the four little lines in between them, like yeah, hype. But hype, hype type. Hype type. Okay, that's <laughs> officially the emotion it's conveying. You are a bunch of scallywags. Refer to Urban Dictionary's definition, uh, heart, eyes, uh, drunk face, and lemon (laughs) bitter beer face. And I love it. Keep up the stellar work. Happy hiking, Bubbles. Thanks, Bubbles, slash Maggie Lip, exclamation point. Uh, Do we not have to look up what scallywag means on Urban Dictionary? Let's do it. Okay. Go out on a high. Uh, We we might have some questions to field on Instagram. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I like this. Uh, the top definition is a person who is known to be a treacherous, lying son of a bitch and usually <laughs> smells bad. Uh, check and check. Uh, you, you nailed Zach to a T. <laughs> hey, I'm not the one in here with smoky pants, all right? Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, and then number two is a term of endearment used by pirates. So kind of fitting on both Aww. on both levels. Uh, we, there you go. Right Backpacker be- radio approved by pirates. Yeah. Right before we started recording, we put a call out for questions. I'm not sure. We didn't give people much notice. So I don't know if this will lead to anything, but got something from uh, Hammock Mama 89 Who's the boss in this podcast family? Uh, I'm going to say not me because I didn't read family correctly there. Wait, who's the boss in this podcast family? Yeah. Like between you and me? Yeah. You're the boss. I would probably agree with that. Uh, <laughs> Although you do shit on me uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I don't know if that is a boss thing or more of just like a general um, scallywag thing. You come up with all the ideas and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Or like when we swerve and like go in a different direction, you're like, I think we should do this. And I'm like, yeah, okay. There was, I don't know if we read this, but there was one iTunes review where uh, someone complimented the questions that you asked. (laughs) And I kind of took a pat on the back for that. John says great questions. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Zach wrote them 10, two hours ago. (laughs) Uh, But you read them really well. Yeah, it's it's how I say it. Which she was trying to say, or he. Uh, well, thanks, Hammock Mama. That was a that was a good question. Uh, we got a couple from Greg Backen. I don't know how to say your last name. B a k k e n. Let's go Backen. Uh, did Zach hike the AT? <laughs> uh, is it true everyone hikes naked on summer sol- solstice? Uh, so you were on the trail during yeah. summer solstice. Um, the answer to that is at least for like 
a little bit they do. People don't go like sun up to sundown nude, but there's like a little piece of each day where it's like, all right, let's do this. Mostly for the gram. Yeah. Um, you know, I tend to be pretty liberal when it comes to people, you know, just just in life. Like I think people make too big of a deal about nudity and everything. Yeah. That being said, I was hiking, this was on the PCT last year, and I encountered a guy, a gentleman hiking naked in my direction. Uh, I saw him before he saw me. As soon as he saw me coming, he peeled off and put some clothes on. I will say the 10 seconds where I could see his kibble and bits was disturbing. So I now kind of under, especially. At it, least it was hike naked day. Like It we wasn't. Saw, it, oh, okay. it was like end of August. Okay. Because I was going to say, we saw a guy in the desert in like May who was just like yeah. ass naked, just like walking towards us like casually. And we were very confused. Yeah. So that created a little bit of cognitive dissonance in my mind because generally I'm uh, a proponent of just nudity in general. And then that made me feel uncomfortable. It made me think twice about it. So, uh, but you know, it's a holiday on trail. Who am I to to say you shouldn't do that? But also a lot of people kind of don't know about it. This is true. Cue back to the episode where I told about the guy that walked up on me when I was naked and was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I was like, it's summer solstice. And he was like, is it? Yeah. (laughs) Is it though? Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't start the PCT last year until July, so we missed Solstice. But on the AT, I remember wanting to do it and then being like in a really humid, mosquito-ridden area. Yeah. It, just, it just was not worth it. It was moist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, getting a mosquito bite on that area is not something I strive for. Uh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can follow us on at Backpacker Radio on Instagram, at Backpacker Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Backpacker Radio. You can follow Chance at... On Instagram at Juliana underscore Chauncey, on YouTube at Juliana Chauncey, and on Facebook at Chaunce Hikes. If you want to see a lot of pictures of my dog, you can follow me at ZR Davis on Instagram, at ZR Davis on Twitter, and don't find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find the trek on YouTube as well. Got some cool videos coming through the pipeline. Patreon, patreon.com slash backpacker radio. <sighs> This is episode number 22. I should be better at this by now. (laughs) I think that's it. Okay, cool. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone.